I always knew I wanted to own something, but I had no idea <laughs> what the, the the challenges as well as the amount of work. I've never worked as hard as I do right now owning my own business. It's more fulfillment than anything that I've ever done, but it's definitely the hardest work. This is Terry Evans. My name is Terry Evans. I own Ryland Smokehouse LLP, which we're known as Windy City Ribs and Whiskey, located in the South Loop of Chicago. I got into it because someone was looking at selling and I said, this could be a good opportunity for me to build generational wealth for my son. I have a seven-year-old and I wanted to do something that I could control the wealth component of. And so the opportunity presented itself to uh, purchase this restaurant. And my grandfather actually sold whiskey as a free slave. So the connection of coming back full circle three generations later, where he, as a, in 1865, took his 40 acres, turned it into 3,600 acres and then also sold whiskey to get his family out of poverty and to create you know generational wealth I think has kind of this full um, circle moment for me to recognize of the shoulders that I stand on and why when we talk about you know tip wage and and, and its connection back to slavery why that having that vocal component um, is so important to be able to have that conversation and then have the platform to be able to do it. In July of 2020, the Restaurant Opportunity Center United released a report called The Great Service Divide. The report said something that I've heard echoed for a long time, that the restaurant industry is very diverse. But the questions raised in the report were more about the equity in restaurants. It was shown through ROC United's research that though 46% of restaurant folks are people of color, front of house versus back of house is highly segregated by race with higher wage jobs going to white folks and people of color being relegated to lower wage jobs in the back. So the pandemic has brought about a reckoning. The diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation is nothing new by any means. But the protests of 2020 and 2021 sparked a resurgence of popular discourse. Diversity, equity, inclusion, intersectionality, anti-racism, There's some corporate training around these topics for bigger companies, but not so much in hospitality. You're listening to Copper and Heat, the podcast exploring the unspoken rules and traditions of restaurants. I'm Katie Osuna. This is Pre-Shift, our third season, getting you tips, tools, and resources to navigate the challenges of working in hospitality. In this Pre-Shift, we're talking about DEIA, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Access, what it is, and how one restaurant has worked to implement better practices. Let's learn more together after this quick break. I love fried chicken. I think about it more than I should. This is Chef Tori. So yeah, I'm Tori Miller. I'm the chef and owner of Latoile Restaurant, Gray's Miller Family Meat and Three, and Estreon restaurants in Madison, Wisconsin. Cooking at home can be hard, but Chef Streams is bringing world-renowned restaurant chefs into your home kitchen with pro tips and culinary techniques, like this one from Chef Tori, the James Beard and Iron Chef winner from Madison, Wisconsin. The Korean way of doing the fried chicken is you fry it at 320 for 10 minutes, and then you take it out and you let it rest on a rack for five minutes, and then you fry it again for two minutes and then you get the super crunch. And I use that for like little pieces of chicken that you're gonna toss it in like a wet sauce and it stays crunchy. That's how you get that extra crunch. 
that's the Asian Korean secret, I guess. <laughs> Not so secret Korean secret. With an annual membership to Chef Streams, you have access to weekly interactive live stream experiences where you cook a multi-course meal with your favorite chefs. Plus, members get access to a library of over 30 past classes available on demand. And there are exclusive deals from cooking-related brands like Tillet, Made in Cookware, and Messermeister, which is so awesome. We've worked out a special discount on membership for Copper and Heat listeners that will save you 40% off the standard membership rate. So you can get an annual membership for $99 instead of the usual $165. To learn more about Chef Streams and take advantage of this special offer, go to chefstreams.com and enter the invite code COPPER when you request a membership invitation. DEIA, so diversity, equity, inclusion, access. This is Dr. Erin Tucker. My name is Dr. Erin Tucker. Um, I am the uh, faculty director and associate professor of the practice for the Global Hospitality Leadership Program at Georgetown University uh, School of Continuing Studies. So that was a really long title. And um, I'm also the co-founder of DMV, uh, DC, Maryland, Virginia, Black Restaurant Week. Dr. Tucker has worked in hospitality in various forms for a long time, but has been teaching for the last several years. And one of the topics that she teaches a lot on is DEIA. The first letter in the acronym, diversity, is where everyone starts when it comes to DEIA work. Unfortunately, it's also where a lot of people stop. So what does diversity mean? So I always say diversity is more like demographic information, race, gender, socioeconomic, uh, everything that you can checkmark. Here's Terry Evans again. Just because I have a a diverse staff doesn't mean that they treat each other with um, the same level of respect as they should. I was connected to Terry by Jeannie Chen, the director of Ray's High Roads Restaurants, an offshoot of the One Fair Wage organization. Raise is a national network of restaurants that are working toward gender and racial equity within the restaurant industry. Raise provides an equity training that Terry is a part of. It's set up in modules, and we have a trainer um, that comes in and you know teaches us things that every person that's in a leadership role um, should should have when they're leading people. And it's about having the ability for people to understand what equity and diversity um, looks like and, and how to ensure that you are leading a team that um, not only understands it, but executes it in regards to how they treat their customers, but more importantly for me, my biggest takeaway is how they treat each other. Having a diverse staff is really important to build equity in the restaurant industry overall. So Terry has put different policies and programs in place to do that. I think for me, as as you know, from where I stand and having the the platform to be able to hire, I think it's about how you hire. Are you conscious about what your hiring decision says about you and about your staff that are are trying to grow and should trying to grow into various roles? But also, do they also own the same mindset as you as far as how they see equity and diversity as well? You know, it, it's it's very easy to find um, non-minority um female managers in the industry. Um, It's harder to find a black female um, manager to come in and be responsible for managing 
the bar side as well as the restaurant side. But I think you have to you have to search and find those examples so that people can see themselves also in those roles and grow to be in those roles. And so, you know, you have to provide a true example of understanding within your organization that you respect everybody's role and what they bring to the table and and allowing them to have that voice no matter what. Which brings us to the next letter in the acronym E for equity. Equity is exceptionally hard. Uh, It requires that one is really committed to strategic priorities and resources and respect and civility. It's in your actions. Equity, you can't checkmark like diversity. Equity is fairness. Equality is equal portions. So when I talk about equality, it's more or less like if you're sitting down at a table with two adults, one teenager, and one baby, equality would be every single person would get the exact same piece of that pie. When the reality that one adult might have one sort of set of conditions that they might not need as much pie as the other adult, the teenager might not need as large of a slice or the teenager might need a bigger slice because they're growing and excelling. They might be athletes or whatever, but the baby does not necessarily get a piece of that pie equally because they're just not built for that. So equity is about uh, uh, fairness and understanding transparency and, and, and proportionality, while equality is more or less about Uh, take everybody having a very much an equal piece and an equal start when in reality nobody has an equal start there's no such thing as that because people are starting and receiving resources at different points in time I think understanding how critical it is and, and important it is to provide benchmarks and expectations with respect to how people um, communicate with each other. I think that communication piece is such a critical component. And so you don't think that there's going to be this whole section on communication within the diversity and equity training. But what I found was when I started to do my own assessments and surveys after coming out of that class is that I recognized that people were taking advantage of other people within their sector because they felt like they could for whatever reason. Maybe it's because that person is older and they felt like they could take, you know, they could push some of their work onto someone else or they knew that that person may not necessarily be more vocal or speak up for themselves. And so finding these blind spots within your organization and then calling it out and then you know, how are you being an example to your other counterparts, even in even at the same level? So equity comes in all forms. Terry was able to discover this inequity in her restaurants by having monthly check-ins to check in with her team and conducting surveys to understand what each member of her team was going through, which speaks to the last two letters of the acronym, I for inclusion and A for access. When we talk about access, most of the time, access is really talked about in giving um, equitable, not equal, access to everyone along their abilities and experiences. For some reason, this definition is used a lot for like physical, like like having accessible buildings. But it's not just that. It's much, much deeper. It's really about kind of how do we represent connectedness? So for example, in the workplace, when we talk and when we're talking about access in a society, are you setting up your 
program? Are you setting up your policy? Are you setting up your company in a way that's at least accessible to all? It doesn't mean that everybody necessarily wants it or will receive it, but they can at least reach to get it. So if you're in like a company, if you have, um, let's say there's an opportunity to uh, become be part of a leadership program, if you only send it through email, then the people that are just more email accessible will only be the ones that will see the, that particular opportunity. But if you send it through, you know, your listserv, you put it on the web, the internal website, you send it through social media, maybe some sort of internal social media, you chat it, then you're making access much broader for more people to be able to take advantage of that opportunity. So you have to get that access. And then if you are included in the conversation, or as they say, be invited, once you are actually in that room, you have to participate in that room. And so inclusion is a lot um, is, is a lot about, yeah, you're there, but you also have to, uh, and there needs to be a willingness to also hear Absolutely. something different. Absolutely. And, and, and inclusion and access, um, you know, everybody has to be given an opportunity. I think the other puzzle piece um, that I didn't mention is understanding um, what people have to do before they get to work. What's their home situation like? So really trying to understand um, who we are hiring, the mindset of the person that we're hiring, and then going the extra mile. I have conversations um, because I have a language barrier and I'm, I'm trying to do better personally, but I, as far as learning and, and um, personal training, but I have to have conversations with uh, one of my employees with, with their kids because there's this language um, barrier that I want to make sure he understands and, and how important his voice is to me and changes that we need to make within the organization. So, you know, it's, it's not unusual for once a week for me to be having a conversation with his son so that he can then um, have this conversation in depth in a private setting versus me having to do the translation at work. Um, so we, we talk when he's at home and he's comfortable, he's with his family and we can have this heart to heart conversation of what I need to be doing and improving upon because no one asks for their circumstances. And so you've got to be able to meet people where they are and not make them feel uncomfortable because there is a communication barrier that prevents them from being able to voice their concerns. We spend more time on the logistics and operations of what we do and not focusing on the fact that our employees are in this. Some of them are in are in our industry. We write off two types of employees. Either they're in this uh, this this job temporarily because they're just it's an in between spot, or they're uh, they want to make this a career. The reality is that we need to look at all employees the same, and with that is they are in our space. We need to get to know what their skill sets are. Not just asking them when they can work, when they can't work. Have you worked with other people before? But no, it's everybody back of the house, front of the house. Um, operations, housekeeping, convention services, bring to your job so many more gifts and talents. Okay, so for some reason, I was walking through the restaurant and I heard, and I was started hearing like a lot of Spanish speaking, just Spanish being spoken, right? And I remember just one day, I was like, there's a lot of Spanish being spoken. And so I remember going into, the, into our office, um, I shared the office with another sales manager, and I said, you know, we don't book any like Hispanic, Latino, now it would be Latinx, um, 
events. Have you like noticed that? <laughs> and so I said, because there's all we have a significant amount of Spanish speaking customers, but apparently it's not getting back here to us. And so she was just kind of like, well, I never, you know, thought about it and stuff. And so I said, okay, I'm going to approach this. So I um, reached out and connected with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. And so all of a sudden we started getting these bookings. One event that, that I was booking, it was a Girl Scout troop. And so they actually, a booking requested a Spanish, just a Spanish speaking server. And I was like, well, absolutely. And so when I, so I was talking to the AGM, he said, I've checked everybody who's working today. He's like, and there's nobody that's, that really speaks Spanish comfortably enough. And so I said, mm, okay. So every morning I would go into the kitchen and I would always say, hola, como esta usted? I was just doing that period. Um, that was just my way of greeting everybody in the morning. And so I got into this conversation with the dishwasher and he was saying, and I said, you know, at the time, I was just kind of telling him the situation. And he says, well, he says, I can maybe help you. And I said, well, tell me about yourself. And he told me that he, back in Mexico, he actually worked in customer service. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, I used to, I would do that. And he says, it's just that I came here, you know, to America because, you know, I just wanted a better opportunity with better pay so I could send, you know, money back to my family. And so I went to my GM and I said, listen, I said, we got someone that actually is working that day who's Spanish speaking and he's got a background in customer service. I said, why don't we put him on this party? And my GM, you know, at the time was like, okay, he says, well, go and talk. Make sure to talk to the kitchen manager. Talk to the kitchen manager first. But if it's cool with the kitchen manager, it's cool with me. So I went to talk to the kitchen manager. Kitchen manager was like, okay, it's cool. It's always slow at this time, blah, blah, blah. And he went, I, you know, I said, you know, just make sure you put on, you know, your, your, your uniform for it. He went and rocked out. He rocked out. And after it was over, I said, I, I was in a manager's meeting. And I said, we don't know our, our staff. We know the jobs that they do, but we don't know, like, like the skill set that they have. That is something that we need to do to be able to uplift our industry, especially now. We will not be going back to the way things used to be with COVID-19. COVID-19 has released the lid on the problems that we already pretty much have. The businesses that are going to survive this particular industry and come out on the other side are the ones that are going to have to understand uh, what it's going to be hospitality. It's not just going to be working at a restaurant, working at a hotel and running operations. It's going to be how we treat each other, not just the customer, but how employees are treating each other. Uh, it's going to be recognizing that this is a skill that you are getting for whatever you think of just washing dishes. You're actually, it's not just about underpaying. You are getting an exceptionally skilled person that you didn't even know that could help bring up and provide something that your, that your unit, your restaurant or your whatever, your whatever your job is can be stronger and can be more competitive if we engage with our employees better and not just look at them as a job. The most important thing is me as a African-American female that felt like I, you know, lived in a world where diversity and understanding diversity and inclusion and equity um, was something that I had to to live and experience personally. I think within this industry, you have no idea the amount of work that still needs to be done as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's a totally different um, blueprint, I think, than any other industry. And it is how you um, peel back the onion with regards to how people are treated at every single level within your organization. And so really get into the weeds and, and, and open your ears to hearing the conversations. And just because you think you're doing well by 
having a diverse staff. Um, take it from me that there is a ton of work that still needs to be done and be open to making those changes because it's it's important and it's critical and is our responsibility to ensure that we're providing a safe an equitable place for people to work where they come and they feel empowered to uh, rise and improve and not feel as though they're coming in to get beat up or, um, you know, not literally, but beat up from a mindset standpoint um, on a daily basis. So I just would, would, would challenge everyone to take the time out to challenge themselves to understanding how important that this work is. This is just barely scratching the surface, the very 101 level of educating yourself on DEIA. So head over to our Instagram page and follow us. We'll be doing an IG Live with Jenny Dorsey in the next couple weeks to answer some of your questions. Dr. Tucker and Terry are doing some really awesome work, so please check them out. You can find us at a windycityribs.net or on Instagram at windycityribs.net ribs and whiskey you can find me um, on twitter at aaron e-r-i-n-n tucker t-u-c-k-e-r all one word uh you can connect with me also on linkedin you can find dmv black restaurant week at dmv brw you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at dmv brw or you can reach out to us we have a website dmvbrw.com you can also check out Ray's High Road Restaurants at raysrestaurants.org. We'll link in the show notes. We're also linking to a bunch more resources about intersectionality and DEIA. So check out the show notes and our website, copperandheat.com, so you can dig in a little more. If you haven't already done it, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. Then you can keep up with all of our new episode releases throughout this season. Even better, please share this with a friend. Pre-Shift, the third season of Copper and Heat, is produced by me, Katie Osuna. Our story editor is Rachel Palmer. Our sound engineer and composer is Ricardo Osuna. Thanks for listening!